It's November 4th on Today in History. Going back to 1949, One Man's Family debuted on NBC TV. Now, that show continued on TV for three seasons, but it had also enjoyed one of the longest runs of any program on radio. 1933, all the way up through 1959, when it obviously was on radio and television together from 1949 through 1952. Other notes. 1842, Abe Lincoln, 33, married Mary Todd, 23, in Springfield, Illinois. And 1879, James J. Ritty, right up the road in Dayton, Ohio, patented the cash register. If you buy something today, you might try to remember what (laughs) cash registers sounded like before computers. And 1922, on this date, November 4th, King Tutankhamun's tomb was discovered in Egypt in the Valley of the Kings. The tomb was actually hidden under a house that had been erected for workers excavating the tomb of King Ramses IV. King Tut came into power at the tender age of nine. He was pharaoh of ancient Egypt until his death at the ripe old age of somewhere between 18 and 19, they're guesstimating, in 1352 BCE. That's a look at some of Today in History for November 4th, along with Mike Martini. I'm George Zahn for WMKV. And don't forget the Steve Martin song. Thank you, George. Traffic right now, we have an accident, Lafayette at Ludlow. That is an accident involving a bus. Again, Lafayette at Ludlow. Bernadette Taft, an accident. Also Delta at Linwood, 7300 block of Beachmont. A couple accidents on Coleraine, one down by Beekman, one up a little farther near Blue Rock. And uh, still have an accident on the ramp from North 71 to Ridge. It's on the right shoulder of that ramp. Weather forecast from the National Weather Service. We do have a chance of a slight shower uh, popping up one more time tonight. Uh, Otherwise, uh, mostly dry this evening, a 30% chance of precipitation. Tonight's low will be around 38 degrees. And once that system passes through, tomorrow we'll have sunny skies returning, a high of 52. Sunshine on Friday, a high of 55. And then beginning Saturday and continuing all the way through next Tuesday, uh, partly cloudy skies each day, highs back into the mid to lower 60s, overnight lows in the mid to lower 40s. Right now we're at 53 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Tonight we have what is probably the hottest topic in real estate investing, which is where's the money? How do we get the money? What are the rules for getting this elusive private funding and I have one of the nation's top experts to discuss this very topic with me this evening as well as discuss it with you if you want to give us a call at 772-9658 or 
772-9658 or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. If you're planning on attending the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meeting tomorrow night, please do that. But please don't go to the usual location. You will be all by yourself if you go to the, the usual place over there in Swifton Commons. The meeting is being moved downtown to the Hyatt Regency Hotel there on 3rd Street. That's right. We're going to fold the Cincinnati RIA meeting into the OREA convention for one night only. You'll have your choice of great speakers and topics to hear. You can either listen to Colin Egbert talk about the best ways to buy and sell houses using social media and the internet, or you can listen to Russell Ward on how to make money on in vacant land. You won't have to pay to attend if you're a RIA member. Just don't go to the wrong place. It's at the Hyatt Regency. There's more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. And speaking of the 2009 OREA convention that starts on Thursday, there are still some seats left there, but we are unfortunately past the time now where you can register online or by phone. You're going to have to just show up there. And if you heard about it on WMKV, tell us so, and we'll make sure that your admission gets to WMKV as uh, support for public radio. The event is shaping up to be awesome. We've got over 750 people registered as of right this moment. So not just 13 great speakers with wonderful ideas about how to make it big in this market, but also 750 investors from all over the United States to network with, get motivated by. It's going to be a great event. Again, more information at oreaconvention.com. That's O-R-E-I-A convention.com. But you can't register there anymore. You can't register through WMKVFM.org anymore. You have to just show up at the door. It's too late. Should have made a decision a long time ago. My guest today is one of the featured speakers at the 2009 OREA convention. Matt Scott has made an entire real estate business out of borrowing money, not from banks, but from people, people who want to make an investment in real estate, but don't actually want to own real estate. He's here today to share some of the secrets of his success. Joining us by phone is Matt Scott. Matt, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, thanks for the invitation, Vin, and glad, glad to join you and the folks uh, on the radio today. Yeah, it's it's uh, this is by far the biggest topic of conversation at every RIA meeting, every question and answer week, every time any any real estate investors get together. How there's so many great deals. How do we buy them? We have, there's 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 no there's no institutional money available at any kind of you know reasonable rate or terms or and of course you know the banks punish you the more successful you get at what you do the less they want to loan you money so um let's start out by talking a little bit about how you got into the real estate business and moved toward this idea of the private funding instead of the bank money well that's a that's a good question to start with uh my personal uh road to real estate started as i think most people do we get in we get in you know the big numbers that we hear for this from infomercial or other speakers or seminar leaders, it's very attractive to sort of an escape or maybe to get out of debt or, you know, overcome our financial problems we may be in. Uh, I initially started out of the CPA firm out of college and was there for uh, three tax seasons, two and a half years. And there's one particular guy, Vina, that got me sort of on the entrepreneur train, and it was a guy that had a very small car lot. 
He wore shorts every day, wore T-shirts, but he's making three times the money I was. And granted, I didn't want to be in the car business. Then I started looking at other tax returns that we were preparing, and I sort of found out most of the wealthy tax returns we're preparing, they all had a pretty decent-sized rental portfolio. Most, mm-hmm. back, most of them back then were not into the flipping and the fixing up and rehabbing and stuff. So I, I could easily see through the tax returns we were preparing through the CPA firm and the financial statements that the wealthy had real estate. And to me, that sort of validated all the stuff we see on the infomercials and other places that real estate must be the ticket. So um, I left the CPA firm actually to get involved in another business that I purchased, and that didn't work out for about three weeks. And uh, um, I had another business I started for five years and sold it. And then after that, I knew that it was real estate full-time, and that was in February of 1999. Uh, So since then, I've been a full-time investor since February of 1999, and I'm involved in everything from real estate. I mean, a residential real estate. To, I got a mobile home park, mobile homes, commercial property, and uh, fortunately, I just uh, was able to unload an 18-hole golf course that was 82 acres. That was uh, sort of a distraction more than it was a real estate investment. But uh, you know, those are the things that uh, that you know I'm always seeking is new ventures, and with the private money and private funding that you can get, and it's available to everyone, no matter what the business, especially real estate, is definitely the easiest to raise the money in because we have such a strong security or collateral backing it. Uh, and what what we call valuation, it's easy to value the business that people are investing in when it's backed by real estate. Mm -hmm. So the private funding model came to me because I first started out with a line of credit and quickly uh, used every bit of that line of credit, buying and and selling real estate. And it was tapped out, and I moved on to subject to investing, which a lot of people are familiar with, about getting the deed, taking over the payments, uh, which is very lucrative in itself. But I've always needed money to get involved in real estate. And private funding came out just from basically a need. And I think most investors, if they want to scale their business and grow their business, eventually they have to turn to private funding if they intend to grow and grow big and and actually own a business uh, versus owning just a few rental properties. I mean, today with Wall Street crumbling, banks collapsing every day, and, you know, the the foreclosures are supposed to peak in 2010, they keep claiming. And your ability to fund the deals and your deals in your market is actually the single most critical factor to your, to your success. I really, truly believe that. Uh, there's deals everywhere, like you mentioned the opening of the show. And I think that if people can understand the, the new rules of private money, which I lay out very simply, uh, and make a few tweaks to some things they're already doing, they'll raise a lot more money, they can raise it faster, and their money partners that actually invest in their companies are a lot more comfortable when you do it professionally as well. Uh, I'm not a big fan of borrowing money or being in the position of borrowing money. Um, I see that more as a, as a subservient position of, you know, I'm borrowing and, and the creditor sort of sets the terms sometimes. I mean, we also look at uh, private lenders from the aspect of some private lenders. They're professional private lenders. They may not invest other people's money, but maybe they're on as a hard money lender. And uh, I don't want to con- people to confuse that because the private lending that I'm talking about, private borrowing that most people talk about in the private lending, are maybe some private lenders and hard money lenders are involved in that. But what I teach, I want people to go out and raise money from individuals, and that could be from any walk of life and definitely from the affluent. And rather than borrowing the money, I want to see people go out and give an opportunity instead. And it really is the difference between getting and borrowing versus of giving an opportunity to people to invest. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people make that mistake when they go out and they want to raise a lot of money and they have to go out and ask for the money or beg for the money and show people the deals and get proof. And, you know, 
I think sometimes we, we get away from what we should be doing in offering an opportunity for people to invest with us and our company. Uh, and you can do that with private money partnering through a lot of different ways. There's a lot of vehicles out there in different states. And uh, with the federal regulations, there are different federal regs you can choose from that will, you know, you can build a business of any size. I've had students that raised, uh, one attorney in Atlanta has raised over $40 million. A uh, hard money lender out on the West Coast has raised more than $20 million in three months. It's not that difficult, but there is a plan in the system in place that you must follow to raise that kind of money. Uh, I know that seems unrealistic to maybe some of our listeners out there, but the truth is most of us are able to go out there and raise at a million, two million, or three million dollars with the, with the right vehicle and the positioning and packaging uh, without any problems. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what the right way to do this is. We're also going to take your calls, listeners, at 772-9658 if you're here in the greater Cincinnati area, or at 877-772-9658 if you're listening to us on the internet. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from the Cincinnati Real Estate Investors Association. Top real estate teachers from all over the country are coming to Cincinnati for this year's convention, November 5th through the 8th. New and old investors alike will learn how to make money in today's real estate market. More information at CincyRealEstateConvention.com or 1-877-673-4209. Checking on traffic right now. We still have an accident with injuries. It involves a metro bus. It's down the hill in Clifton, Lafayette at Ludlow. So avoid that area if at all possible. Uh, other accidents, Blue Rock at Coleraine, Delta at Linwood, and North 71 at Ridge on the ramp. And I think another accident is just, uh, let's see, another update coming in. No. Uh, delays include North 71's uh, Reagan through Pfeiffer, North 75 uh, between Mitchell and Paddock. Southbound 75 slows up around the lateral through Mitchell. And then, uh, of course, at the uh, Brent Spence Bridge, some backups there as well. The forecast tonight. 30% chance of a little drizzle or two tonight, but uh, pretty much the rain done. And uh, beginning tomorrow and continuing uh, as far as the forecast is on the paper here through next Tuesday, uh, dry weather, partly sunny skies will be in the mid-50s on Friday and then into the 60s uh, beginning Saturday through next Tuesday. Right now we're at 53 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Matt Scott, who is going to be at the OREA convention in just a couple of days to talk about this exact same topic in more detail. Right now, though, is your big chance to ask questions. I know you all want to know about this because you send me questions about it all the time. 772-9658-877-772-9658. Or you can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Now, Matt, I, I think some of what you were expressing uh, before the break is something that a lot of investors feel about raising private money. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, if you're going to have a sizable real estate business today, there's no other way to do it. Uh, pri- private money is yeah, right. is the only way that you can raise enough money to, to do some of the great deals that are out there. But a lot of people will say, I, you know, I hate going to my friends and family and, you know, I feel like I'm begging them for money. And, and, and if they don't get it, if they don't give it to me, I really am begging because I've got a deal and I don't have the money to close it. So what is 
what is the proper way to position yourself to get private funding? Well, let's let's first take a look at how we're currently marketing everything. Um, you know, Jay Abraham years ago called this marketing incest. We only look for new marketing ideas from our competitors, and we do that often in this industry. Um, you know, I have no problem using fluorescent flyers or business cards when you're out there maybe trying to buy foreclosures or get attention for your homes or, you know, maybe get someone that's in financial distress, maybe losing their home to get their attention. But when it comes to raising money, we really have to look at who our true competitors are. That's not other real estate investors. That's actually banks, wealth managers, financial planners, life insurance companies selling annuities. Where would other people invest money? Every day, $13 trillion is, moved, is being moved around in the markets for investment purposes. Uh, that's available to us, but we have to you know, realize who our competition is. It's not other real estate investors. So uh, what's the point? The point would be, look how professional these companies appear. Their letterhead, maybe their flyers, their brochures, or whatever it may be, normally it's, it's a lot better than the stuff we normally put out, Vina, to be honest with you. Um, I'll, bring, I'll bring examples this weekend to ARIA, and I'll definitely have them out on the advanced session on Sunday and show you guys on what not to do. I've got some horrible examples of stuff that's been printed, you know, and just uh, black and white, just all text, trying to raise money. I've got about 18-page sales letter that used to be given out. And, you know, a lot of problems with marketing mistakes. And the number one thing is we've got to be professional. We've got to, we've got to sort of step up to what our competitors are or how they appear, so to speak. And the first thing that does for us is build credibility. One of the worst things you can do is, um, you know, think about, um, you know, how you approach people. What are you telling them? Here, here's, here's a good example for you. Um, let's say you go to a very exclusive wedding for a family in town. Uh, if you walk up and join a conversation, obviously people will ask you your name, and the next question, Vina, is always what? Do you remember? What do you do? Everybody wants to know, what do you do? If you say life insurance agents or dentist or something that's just normal, uh, you know, we all have a, uh, a prejudice on what we think about that. As soon as you say you're a dentist, we'll start talking about dental stuff. Um, currently in this market in the last year or two, if you mention that you're a real estate investor, uh, you'll get scoffs. You'll get, oh, the market, the market must be killing you now. You'll get all types of comments. Well, you know, when you say real estate investor, that's not a company I'm looking to invest in anyway. If you're a real estate investor, I may have a prejudice against that. So we try to package and repositioning is a big part of what I teach. So people will be interested in what you do. And, you know, whether uh, you're buying and selling or buying and holding, we try to reposition it where people have interest when you mention uh, the, the occupation you're in or your industry that you're in. Uh, and to build conversation on top of that, we, I definitely do not endorse pitching or selling like, uh, you know, you see a lot of insurance agents do and pass out business cards. Um, but the first thing is be more professional. Uh, we have to realize who our competitors are. And let's go back to another question you had is, you know, when you have the deal and you're, and you're sort of, you know, crunch for time, it may be an escrow and you're trying to close. Well, that's a big question. Which comes first, the money or the deal? Well, if you have the deal first, you're very, very needy. And we know from the rules of negotiation, the, pers- the person in need the most always loses. Why? Because they're desperate. And we're desperate when sometimes when you're trying to close a deal. So I think the funding should come first. 
and there are ways to keep people in queue, meaning, in other, in other words, if they, if they have money to invest now, it's not actually give it to you to f- go find a deal. Now, you just don't tell them you don't have deals or something like that. You would tell them, hey, listen, we're completely booked right now. We don't have anything else available because we have so many investors. Uh, we'll we'll keep, you, uh, keep you on the waiting list, and we'll give you a call when something comes available. And then we have some marketing material that we can use to keep them on, uh, on queue for us until you know, the time's available. So I would always raise the money first, find the deal second. You're less needy, you're not under pressure to do the deal, and uh, it puts you in a better position as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, the uh, big concern that a lot of folks who are out there borrowing private money at the moment is that there are so many people who don't really know what they're doing don't they're not they're not putting the right deals together they're not approaching the private lenders correctly they're not looking professional that it's going to hurt the the folks who you know really are in business for real and have lots of deals and know how to place these people in deals that are are safe and and so on and so forth uh i think the the professionalism that you're talking about is a way for the people who have the concern about the amateurs to show the private, the, the potential private lenders. Yeah, I know you dealt with that guy, and I know he he was trying to get you to loan him, you know, two hundred thousand dollars on a house worth one fifty, but that's not me. <laughs> yeah, you you really try to not even be concerned with that, but the methods that I teach, and and it's really important to let, let's go back to something else. I think you mentioned earlier about doing this thing right. Let's talk about the SEC and the security regulations real quick. Uh, for most people that are out there, they've heard a lot of people getting in trouble for violating securities law. And sometimes it's not a big deal, but they just get a cease and desist letter, which happens all the time, every day in each state. Well, let's sort of lay a foundation for this weekend. Uh, There are two levels of security laws. There is a state level. Uh, They are strictly called uh, interstate offerings or limited offerings within that state. So let's say we only raise money from investors in Ohio. That's the only regulations we have to be concerned with. However, if you have one investor that comes across the state line to invest with you, now you fall under federal regulation. So most people we hear about and most people that's taught us in the past has only taught about federal regulations. Well, we have to be concerned about each state as well, especially when we're raising money in that state. And maybe, you know, not just investing in the state's fine. We don't have to be concerned with it. But if you're raising money across state lines with uh, investors coming across state lines to give you money, you are now under two different groups of regulations. So you have to be very careful with, with raising money as well to do it legally. The best way I can tell you uh, if you're vi- violating security laws is normally if you're advertising and you have no type of registration or e- even if, it, if it's an exempt registration, there is still – uh, documents to be filed and normally fees to be paid with each state. So some of us that are out there, we've, we've gotten away with it for so long, and people are in every industry, just not real estate, are raising money from individual friends and family, and they're not filing anything. You know, that's often overlooked if it's a very small group until, you know, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the old scenario when everybody's at the party, everybody's, as long as everybody's happy at the party, there's no problem. <laughs> as, soon, as soon as somebody cries, we've got a problem. So Keeping investors happy is probably the second thing. Is you, you want to follow the, the federal regulations and state regulations, which I'll talk extensively about this weekend on the, th- on the uh, three-hour session. But, and there's some great security laws to leverage, and most people try to avoid them. 
Uh, they think they're uh, oppressing their business operation or suppressing their business operations, if you will. And actually, there's some great security laws out there for everybody. Um, uh, do we have more minute before the break? I've got. Uh, I can give you a good example. That'd be great. There is a small company in southwest Georgia, which I'll mention this weekend. It's a great little company. I saw a billboard one time, and it said, huge billboard, that said, earn 9.09%. I chuckled to myself because I really thought it was a real estate investor. I had to turn around and go back and write down the phone number, just an 800 number, and a very small disclaimer at the bottom, and uh, to find out it was not a real estate investor, but it was a small company. And after did a lot of research, this is what got me on the bandwagon to this more advanced and ex- exclusive type of raising money that I do is I followed up with them, and they were a very small company in a town of 12,000 people. And if, to this date, they have raised $86 million mm. by selling unsecured notes. Unsecured notes. Unsecured, yes. <laughs> and... You know, that's something that we have to sort of train ourselves to stop doing. Uh, Vina, I find most of us, we try to oversell our security, which is normally real estate. We, we offer them title insurance. We list them on the insurance policy. Uh, you know, we're going to sign our life insurance. Per, uh, we'll, we'll sign over our life insurance policy, policy to you if something happens to us. I mean, we really are overselling. And we know through real-life experiences, when if someone tries to oversell us a lot of times, you know, we want to pull back. Mm-hmm. Now, can you raise money that way? Absolutely. But it's not going to be as much if you do it professionally. Uh, just think about Wall Street. How many, uh, how many investment vehicles on Wall Street are secured? I mean, is your stock secured? Do you have collateral with stock? You know, are you going to get, uh, are you going to get a piece of, uh, of a computer or server if Google goes under? Of course not, <laughs> you know. Um, but this small town uh, has a company that raised $86 million, and they are under two different vehicles, unsecured demand notes and unsecured debentures. Debentures are basically a, a note against the general credit of, of the company, just saying, hey, listen, if we have anything left over after all the senior, senior uh, collateral our, our creditors are taken care of, we may have something for you. And uh, in an event that I teach, I go extensively and read all their disclosures because their disclosures are basically screaming, Vena, don't invest with us, don't invest with us. <laughs> they raised $86 million. The risks, the risks may include death, dismemberment, losing all of your <laughs> Absolutely. money. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. You know, everybody will gasp when I read that, and they, they go, how do, people, how do they raise the money? They're not concerned with it. They're advertising in publications, magazines, newspapers, and billboards. It's simple. But they have a special type of offering. In that state they're in, in Georgia, they have an interstate offering that allows them to advertise. Interesting. And put up billboards. Yeah, it's, yeah. and that makes it simple. If you're looking to raise a lot of money, that's the way to go. Uh, and you can even do that on a national basis as well. And they actually have filed a, a federal registration now, and they're advertising in like three states to raise money. Um, and I'll go over that in detail uh, because it is a very, very good model to, to uh, look at. And the reason I use this as a model is, number one, they're in a very small town, and number two, they're in an industry that has probably a worse reputation than real estate sometimes, Uh, and that is in payday loan, title loans, and car loans. That is their their vehicle or product of choice that they offer to their their customers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not an industry you go and sit around and talk about at the country club to raise money. (laughs) uh, Hey, listen, do you want to invest in a a small check-cashing company? Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. But they do make money uh, hand over fist a lot of the times, and uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a good model to look at because it's unsecured and uh, they're advertising just like we can advertise. But th- those are not uh, – there's not a lot of people that do that kind of stuff. And that's why I've researched this so much, spent tens of thousands of dollars with attorneys and some of the best attorneys that worked on a lot of the, the dot-com IPOs and still deal with him. And, uh, it, you know, uh, he, uh, he taught me a lot about the business and how it works and how we can do this cost-effectively for real estate investors. And that's the key thing is – is learning how to raise money on a professional level, on a higher-end level, but also do it where it's cost-effective to us. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about raising money the Matt Scott way and also answer your questions at 772 or askvina at gmail.com. WMKV is proudly supported by the new Kensington Place Apartments at Mabel Knoll Village. The 56 new apartments offer a wide variety of floor plans and access to all the services and amenities available through Maple Knoll Village. The new Kensington Place Apartments, a place to live an active lifestyle in retirement. More information on the new Kensington Place is available at 513-782-2717. Checking on traffic right now, an accident. Uh, still have the one involving the Metro bus at Lafayette at Ludlow. Uh, injuries reported there. Avoid that uh, intersection if you can. Delta at Linwood still have an accident and Blue Rock at Coleraine, but the other ones have been cleaned up, so that's good news. Uh, building up a little heavier than usual, westbound 275 between 42 and 75, and then again uh, near Winton, a little bit of a backup westbound 275. So I want to let you know about that. Your forecast tonight, it calls for a 30% chance of an additional shower uh, this evening. Otherwise, uh, we'll be clearing overnight and then partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of uh, 52 degrees, uh, warming up to 55 on Friday and then back into the 60s again Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Partly cloudy skies each day. It's uh, 52 degrees right now here at 89.3 WMKV. It's the best in music tonight on WMKV 89.3 FM. At 8 p.m. after Mystery Playhouse, it's Hit Parade Highlights. At 9 o'clock tonight, Don't Miss In Concert. And at 10 p.m., Barbershop Harmony, followed at 11 p.m. by Music Till Midnight. Your favorites are right here every day on 89.3 FM, WMKV, the way radio was and is meant to be. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Matt Scott. And as you have already seen, he's pretty much turning the whole private money thing on its ear. Everything that you've heard about how to raise private money, he's telling you something different today. And uh, and yet he's had enormous success doing it exactly the way he's talking about. Uh, Matt, we have had a number of questions come in via email The first one is from Darren in Greendale, Indiana, who says, how do we get past the vicious cycle of can't find a lender because we don't have experience, but can't get experience because we can't find a private lender to give us a chance? Oh, the great credibility question, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you know, uh, I've heard one other speaker recently, and he's not well known, but he was telling to tell people how to get credibility and tell people to go borrow money from your friends and family. And while that's okay, uh, if you read up on on credibility, you'll find out that credibility is strictly mainly by perception. Um, That's why, uh, you know, I like watching a lot of the news 2020 shows where they have this doctor. He was a fake doctor just because he had a lab coat on, and he could walk through the hospital and have access to everything. Um, You know, credibility is often just perceived. So 
how to get past that. Number one, before you do this and you haven't have a lot of deals under your belt, do a couple of the small deals. But, you know, you've got to know your business. The best way you can build trust is, and here's a few ways to build trust, is, you know, keep building your knowledge. Keep studying real estate. Make sure you know every in, in and out of the deal. And it's got to be a very successful deal. Um, second of all is um, really, you know, don't go out and try to borrow money. Again, that's just one of my pet peeves. Uh, it's real easy when you go out and you sort of offer an investment opportunity and you don't ask for it sometimes. Uh, I teach this on the marketing session um, on an event that I do that's really, really good, and a lot of people get a lot out of it, is, you know, if, if I'm in a social and people are asking me, hey, listen, what do you do? Uh, you know, I normally don't tell them I do real estate investing, number one. You can tell them you provide high net worth. I mean, you can provide exclusive investment for high net worth individuals. If they ask for more information or how does that work, tell them, listen, you know, you've got to run. I'll be glad to give you a call next week and sit down over lunch and talk about it. Be sort of evasive. It's sort of the, you know, play hard to get. I think, again, we get too needy sometimes. We try to chase the money uh, instead of, uh, you know, letting it come to us by being attractive. Not attractive as in looks, but in your offering, your presentation, um, you know, if you go around and dress all day in shorts and T-shirts and you may get away with that down at the beach sometimes and raise some money, it's just not going to fly in a lot of places. You have to have a professional image. You must have, uh, you know, what you do and what you're offering. It's got to be somewhat professional looking. Um, again, you know, I don't like, hand, like handing out pro formas or, you know, financial projections to guys as well. It's, I think it's just too much. Um, one of the big marketing mistakes I always talk about is too much information. Um, I find a lot of guys, and I hope he, you're not doing this, is going out and try to tell people everything they're going to get. Oh, you're going to get a mortgage. You're going to get a lien. It's just it scares them away too much when you try to sell them too much information. Tart, start small and work in increments in each meeting that you have with a with a money partner. You know, don't try to overdo it the first time. Um, great marketing strategist one time said the more the more, uh, I mean, if you have a, something that's very expensive and it's intangible, the more selling uh, steps in the selling process it's going to take. In other words, the more meetings it may take, because obviously this is an intangible investment and it, and it can uh, be a, a large investment for most people. So it's not going to happen just in one meeting. So be patient. Be patient. Uh, but building credibility can be done with licensing as well. If you're a realtor, some people will give, give credibility to that. If you're an appraiser, they'll give credibility to that. So use that as well. Now, here's a trick that I always talk about that people say, well, if you're a new investor, what can you do? Partner. The best thing you can do, and I talk about this a lot, is joint venturing. And, but joint venture with people with extremely, extremely uh, a lot of experience. Find the best developer in town. Find the best builder in town or the best you know, uh, commercial broker in town and you know, do a deal with them. Just by you associating with them, you're going to borrow their credibility. And, uh, you know, if you give me a brand new investor, Vina, this weekend and say, listen, raise, get, help him raise money, I will partner him with, with about two other people, three other people, and put them into a business together, a company, and he'll have perceived credibility right out of the gate mm -hmm. just because he's associated himself with other people. It sounds, so, uh, it sounds a great deal like you're, you're following the advice of endless self-help authors uh, who, who are uh, actually instructing women on how to get dates, which is play hard to get. There you go, play hard to get, always. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's really true. I have actually a part that I teach. Uh, it's called Romancing the Investor. I mean, you know, too much information. It, it's like going on the first date 
and telling them, uh, hey, how you doing? My name is Matt. Uh, I don't love my mother. I don't eat vegetables. I've got bad relationships left and right behind me. And uh, I had to take some antibiotics to clear up things. You know, <laughs> you don't go tell them everything out of the gate. It takes time. You have to play a little bit of hard to get here and there. Same thing with, with uh, money partners. It's, it's really no different. I mean, really. Think about when you went to a car lot to buy a car. Did you really, did you really want to deal with a guy that was just all on top of you, asking you too many uh, in, uh, invasive questions? Uh, and just, or did you just like the guy that was a little, or a lady that was a little relaxed about it, you know, that was getting to know you personally and uh, want to know more about you and your job and what your interests are? Um, so that's, it's really exactly the same, no difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> we've had, uh, as I mentioned, a, a, just a flood of questions here all of a sudden. Uh, some of these people are pretty obviously familiar with you because <laughs> the questions, some of the questions are, are fairly advanced ones. Uh, but here's one from Joanne in Indianapolis who says, what is the best way to raise private money on an existing property? I need to refinance out of the current, convert, con- current conventional loan and get cash out. Do I just go somewhere and list a note for sale? If so, where? This has been an issue for me way too long. Well, again, selling notes is not what I do. I'm not into selling notes, but you're, there's a lot of note places you can go out and do that kind of stuff. And uh, whether you get the, what loan to value, what rate, and what terms, and uh, you know, seasoning issues are going to be involved, you know, that's a different story. But for the private money, uh, raising private money that I teach the, with the new rules, you actually can go out, and this is an example for future use. I'm, unfortunately, I can't help you on that particular uh, situation. But raising private money, you're basically pooling money and putting it to like a mutual fund type system. And it is all regulated by the government. It's very, very uh, uh, exclusive because you can basically go out and sell. You can use money for refinancing. Uh, I mean, here's a good thing for people they don't really know. When you're raising money, this is like raising money for a tech company, for a car wash, for you know retail store. Um, it's, it's pretty well written that 10 to 15% of that money can actually be used for overhead. Can you believe that? And um, most people said, well, it's got to be used for real estate, right? That's what it's for. Well, no, that's not what the offering document says. The offering circular says, hey, listen, we're going to use some of this for fixed expenses. We're going to use it for refinancing our current properties. We're going to use it for buying and selling, whatever it may be. You can use the money for any business purpose as long as you can raise the money. It really doesn't matter. Um, so in your situation about getting refied, um, you know, you may want to go out and do the private lending model of going out and begging and borrowing money, uh, just to offer good terms. Or another thing you might want to do is get really creative and sell uh, 50% of fair market value, maybe 90% of fair market value to another investor. Sell them 50% of it. Maybe that'll pay off your current loan. A lot of creative ways you can do to, to, uh, to wipe off that debt. But just with private money the way I'm speaking about, it's a little bit different and more advanced for sure. Julie from New Jersey says... What is he saying to reposition the I am an investor? What is his elevator speech for what he says he does? Okay, great question. Key thing I don't want anybody to do is ever rely on an elevator speech. Now, I want you to do this. If you ever have a business card, and I want to do this on each day that I'm there, I'm going to ask for business cards. I get about 10 or 15 business cards from people, and I'm going to read them. Usually, most real estate investors will print every square centimeter on there with some spill or something. Here's something I learned a long, long time ago. The most wealthy individuals have a name and a phone number and maybe an email address. That's it. No company, no nothing. Very elusive. Um, I was in Dallas, Texas last March, and I did this. Asked for business cards. I received one of those. It was a very well-printed business card with a name and a telephone number. He was an attorney. 
and he traveled around the world. He was very, he fit the model perfectly. Now let's go back to the elevator speech. The elevator speech is not very uh, salesy, if you will. Uh, it's not like the, the person that just left Liberty National and is hot on selling life insurance to you. Be sort of evasive. You can call. You can say you have a private equity company, an asset management company, a private investment company for high net worth investors, but you don't go into the sales pitch just yet. Let them bait by what, what do you do. We pretty much don't tell them we buy real estate and resell it to make a profit. Let me give you a great example. Jeff Williams lives in California. Jeff uh, is into natural gas. Him and his partner, they're on two different coasts. They're in natural gas. They're in commercial real estate. They're in hard money lending. They're in a lot of different things. Um, he said, I changed his life by this one statement. He said, now I understand what you're saying with positioning, because normally I have to go up to people and tell them, well, we own a natural gas company. Well, I thought you were a commercial real estate investor. Oh, we, we are a commercial real estate broker. We're a hard money lender. We're the, whatever it was, he had to line them up. But now he goes out and he uses the private equity spiel, and it works very, very well. That way he can put all his companies under one roof, and basically tells people this, we've chosen certain sector to, sectors to invest in, and that happens to be at commercial real estate in this current market cycle, and also natural gas. And he goes on to explain maybe each one of them, or maybe not each one of them, during that first conversation. But that gets him some interest. Here's the thing you don't want to do, is tell people what you do, and let them raise an eyebrow, raise a, uh, a nostril, and go, hmm, yeah. You know, we, we, again, we all have these prejudices. Uh, about you know um, our jobs and our sectors, what we're investing in, you want to peak interest. Your business card should peak interest. It, the ones you give to a money partner should not say we buy houses, we're a landlord, we're uh, we're flippers, uh, any of that kind of stuff, because they're going to know exactly what you do. They're going, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we've seen you on TV flipping houses. That's uh, you know you take advantage of it, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You do not want that. You want people to look at your business card and do this. What, what exactly do you do? That's the response you want. And you, do, you don't want a business card that's printed front and back that allows people to read it completely and make their own decision about you and your company. You want to have just a small amount of information which makes them ask, what do you do? Mm-hmm. We need to take another quick break. This, listeners, is your last chance to ask your best money-raising questions of our guest, Matt Scott, 772 or askvina at gmail.com. Maple Knoll Village will hold its annual holiday bazaar on Friday, November the 6th from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. and also Saturday, November the 7th from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. at the Maple Knoll Village Auditorium and surrounding Main Street area. Arts and crafts, jewelry, collectibles, baked goods, holiday gifts, and more items will be featured. Plus, WMKV will have some special holiday and classic radio CD packages available, all in plenty time for holiday giving. Proceeds benefit the Maple Leaf Auxiliary and WMKV. Please come out and shop at the Holiday Bazaar at Maple Knoll Village at 11100 Springfield Pike in Springdale. More details at 513-782-2420. That's 782-2420. Checking on traffic right now. We have an accident on the end of the collector ramp from 275 to southbound 75. That's down in Erlanger, Kentucky. At the merge with 75, the left side is blocked on that collector ramp with an accident. 
Also an accident southbound 71 at Red Bank on the left shoulder. 6400 block of Coleraine, an accident. 2600 block of Clifton. Also downtown at 414 East 12th Street, an accident. Delta at Linwood, Blue Rock at Coleraine. And among the slow spots, westbound 275 from 42 to 75. The forecast tonight calls for a 30% chance of a few more sprinkles uh, this evening, but uh, that'll move out of the area, and tomorrow we'll have partly cloudy skies and a high of 52. And then on Friday, sunny with a high of 55. And then beginning Saturday, all the way through Tuesday, partly cloudy each day. Highs in the mid-60s, lows in the mid-40s. Right now it's 40, 52 degrees here at 89.3. WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Matt Scott is my guest. If you're hearing stuff you have never heard before, never thought of before about private lending, remember that there's lots of different ways to do it. And if the one you're using isn't working, maybe you ought to be coming to the OREA convention on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and listening to Matt's whole presentation on this, because of course on you know in radio interviews I ask the questions I want to ask. You guys ask the questions you want to ask. He doesn't get to spend ninety minutes outlining it the way he does at the OREA convention. You get more information about that at OREAConvention.com. Show up at the door and let us know that you heard about it on WMKV uh, when you show up to register. Okay, uh, Scott, Sean from Chicago. <clears throat> Told you we were gonna, we had some some more advanced questions here. Says when doing a private placement, what is the best way to mention the return for the investor in the private placement memorandum without raising alarms from the SEC? Well, actually, if you have a private placement, there's no alarms to raise. I mean, you can offer whatever you want as long as you're. I mean, there's solid projections in the PPM. A PPM is a private offering. Uh, private offering is normally accredi- uh, only offered to accredited investors and some sophisticated investors, and there's limits to that depending on what type of Reg D offering you're going to offer. But in the private offering itself, the document, we call it an offering, offering circular as well or offering memorandum, uh, you can actually state any return that you wish, and it really should be predicated on how the SEC is going to look at it. And they really don't even care because you're just filing it. Uh, it's not something they review and uh, scrutinize in any means. They're just going to take it with a uh, Form D and file it at your state level, and that's it. Um, the return should be attractive, uh, but I can tell you there are uh, most of us, we are way out of the ballpark on what we think people are willing to accept. Um, you know, a lot of times people are saying, now, listen, I'm, I can provide 20 or 30% returns, and you know, that's fine, but, uh, you know, you'll find a lot of investors just happy with 8, 10, and 12 uh, as projections on an equity-based deal. Uh, if you're offering notes and uh, where it's obviously uh, or either preferred stock with a stated dividend, you can offer a defined return of 8, 9, 10% all day long and raise the money that you need. Like I mentioned before, the uh, small company in southwest Georgia, they only uh, they, their highest interest rate they paid was at 9%, at 9.09% and raised $86 million. Their interest rates the lower, on the lower end on a shorter-term note was down at 5%. So you got to you look, look at that as a model and say, listen, if these guys raise $86 million, $86 million uh, on 5 to 9%, why am I offering 12 and 15 and 18 and 20? Uh, and you're, you're going to have some people, too, that – are going to associate risk with those higher returns, but not everybody. Um, so be aware of that. Uh, again, the SEC is not going to be concerned with your private offering uh, return projections whatsoever. So 
uh, it's just a document they're going to accept, and it's just basically a long disclosure document that people have to uh, uh, to read over before they accept your offer. But be careful about that uh, when you use a private offering. I'll tell you something a little bit about attorneys and how they work with that private offering, and it just doesn't work. A lot of private offerings are never funded. Uh, the majority are not because we follow the legal team that says, hey, listen, here's your PPM. Go out there and pass it out and raise the money. Well, it's about as boring as a history book to me to read that thing, and most people don't read it. They don't even know what they're looking at. Uh, so the PPM comes in later in the transaction uh, on dealing with an affluent investor to raise the money. It's not the upfront document as attorneys would like to have you do and think that you know it's going to work. It just doesn't. So be careful about that. If you can use a, a private offering, just be careful about not passing it out and expecting returns, uh, the, the money to flow in. It just doesn't happen. Question from JC in Cincinnati. Uh, syndications seem to be back. They were hot in the 1970s for the tax benefits. Now I'm seeing them again. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages since they've been used in real estate for the, for so long? Oh, great. Syndications. Love to talk about them. I think they're overrated, actually, because uh, there's, there's a few reasons for that. Most syndications are structured this way. Most syndications are partially uh, funded through the, actually the syndication, and most people will go to the bank and get the 80 to 70 percent from the, from a commercial lender. It's just not happening nowadays. Um, I would stick with the private funding model or either the private REIT model that I talk about or the real estate mutual fund. There's a lot of different ways to do this and structure this. The bad thing about syndications that most people um, that, uh, that come to me after they've done one of the syndication is that they actually stop raising money. The key thing about doing syndications or private offerings, if you will, continually raise the money whether your offering is open or closed. A um, little, little uh, side note here. When you're doing a private offering, you have 12 months to raise the money. That's how long you have to go out there, raise the money, and then the offering is closed. Uh, after that time, you really can't take any more money, but you can get, gain interest in your offering. But you have to be careful about that. You can you know, send them documentation about your company and what you do, but we currently don't have an offer, and there's a way to keep them on the line until you do have one. But uh, as in syndications in general, I, I hate to see some people that are out there promoting them for, the, for those that are us that may be starting with absolutely no money, and they're saying, listen, you can make 25000 for just raising the money. Sometimes I think a lot of us are focused on the upfront money that we're taking from the people for just putting the syndication together, and I think that's the wrong end of the telescope. You should be looking at the other end, the big picture. If you do a successful transaction, whether it's a syndication or a private offering, you can do more of them and take smaller chunks of the pie as you go along. And number two, make sure the deal is successful. Don't try to take so much money on the front end that some of these syndicators are uh, teaching you to do that. I think it's better to have a successful transaction at the end and uh, and move on to other deals. But yes, syndications are being you know blasted everywhere. But uh, you know, just be careful with uh, how you structure your deal and make sure you're not taking too big a piece of the pie on the front end. Uh, here's a question from Al in Arizona. He says, "Who are your typical private lenders? Are they angel investors, venture capitalists, hard money lenders, or just people you're digging up?" Oh man, it gets even better. Great questions, man. I love that question. Yeah, you know, listen. Let's be honest. VCs fund 1% of all businesses nationwide. 1% VCs. Next comes along with angels. Now, two things about angels and, and VCs, and I actually talk about this at the OREA event. I encourage each and every one of you to show up for everybody's session if you can. But listen, it's going to be a great event. VCs and angels, they do two different things. VCs invest other people's money. And by the way, 
They use private offerings. The same thing that you, you, I'm teaching you to use, that's what venture capitalists use to raise their own money. How about that, huh? But they invest other, people, uh, other people's money, and they're looking for emerging growth, high-yield investments, and they're more of a strategic player in your business. Now, angels, on the other hand, they can group with other angels, and they'll invest in your business, but they want two things as well. They want control, and they want liquidity. So if you want somebody over your shoulder telling you what to do and what, where to go, and uh, that's not angels. That's not what you're looking for. Another thing about angels is for a, for a lot of us, real, I mean, for a lot of angels, Real estate is not sexy enough. They're looking for you know a big kill. They're looking for huge growth potentials uh, just to explode. If you watch Shark Tank on television on ABC, great show to watch if you want to get feelings of VCs and angels. Do you know what percentage they often ask for in a deal when they're trying to make a deal with somebody? It's fifty percent. Fifty percent. That's called a partner. That's, that's, it is a partner. That's exactly right. I, I don't want anybody looking at my shoulder. Anybody that is teaching you to use angels or seek out angels, that's not what you're doing. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the private lending model we've been taught in the past about using a PowerPoint presentation and raising money, that's exactly where they got that from is angels and VC presentations. And, uh, you know, we're looking to raise money from individual investors depending on the type offering restrictions you have called investor qualifications. Each type of offering will have an investor qualification that says, hey, listen, you can raise money from this type of investor. That can be someone on the REIT end. It can be somebody who's making as little as $40,000, or it could be an accredited investor or a sophisticated investor. Uh, again, if it's an offering like the one in uh, South Georgia over there, it can be anybody that can fog a mirror. Anybody that's breathing can invest uh, with a public offering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, I got to tell you, Matt, I'm getting all these comments on our Facebook fan page at real real life real estate radio dot com and and via email and and people are, are chatting with me uh, online here as, as we're talking about how what you're saying is just so different from yeah, everything absolutely. they've heard or that they know or that they know that other people are are doing with raising money and they're very excited about it. And luckily, they are mostly coming to the OREA convention in a couple of days. Listen, this is nothing like you've done before. If you're thinking this is the postcard luncheon model, you can forget about it. This is a professional system you're going to learn this weekend. I'm going to teach you things you can go back and implement on Monday morning. I really encourage everyone to attend. It's really, really stuff that... Uh, we've honed over several years with several high-end attorneys, and uh, you know it's definitely going to be worth your time. And once again, for folks who are not yet registered for the OREA convention, it is too late to register online, but if you come down to the Hyatt on 5th Street, anytime, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, you can do a walk-in registration. If you tell us that you heard it on WMKV, we'll let you have it for that $99, and we will make sure that that money gets to support public radio here on WMKV. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. WMKV, Reading, Ohio. High definition, the Fox 19 Evening News at 6. We've never seen seen anything like it. The man found with 10 bodies buried in and around his home makes his first court appearance since the horror story broke. A closer look tonight.